Welcome to the Newscape Higher Ed Podcast, featuring your hosts, Don Betts and Mark Stansberry. This podcast is brought to you by Newscape Higher Ed Advisors, helping university leaders effectively serve their faculty, staff, students, and community. Visit newscape.us to find out more. Welcome to another episode of Newscape Higher Ed Advisors. I'm Mark Stansbury. Yes, hello, and I'm Don Betts. Today we'll be visiting with uh, Align and the CEO, Phil Rice, and the COO, Ashley Nichols. First of all, if you would introduce yourselves as far as the background of, of where you've come to this point in regard to where you are now with Align, but also talk about Align and, and, and to give an overall view how Align fits in when we're talking about higher education. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark and Don, for having us today. We're thrilled to be here with you and so thankful for what the two of you are doing in the higher education space. Um, Like you said, Mark, my name is Ashley Nichols, and um, my background is a blend of corporate and creative. Um, I've worked in Southern California in the creative space as a photographer and photo shoot producer, which led to bleeding over into the marketing and branding strategy space and also um, into international business and leadership development. So if you're a creative, then you know it's kind of unusual to meet someone who has a little bit of blend of both. And if you're in the corporate world, same thing is often what I hear. But that's a little bit of my background. And I'll let Phil introduce himself as well. Yeah, and I'm Phil Rice, um, like Ashley and Mark said. Uh, my background is in marketing, in business startup, really just kind of the ins and outs of small business. Um, and we, I got to align through the marketing space and uh, the creative space, and um, that's really where that's really where Align comes in. And I'll just give a brief overview of Align and how it fits. So essentially, um, again, a, a little bit of my background uh, in marketing is uh, that we were really working with clients specifically in strategic marketing and communications. And the thing that we found is there was a level of um, of work that we really wanted to bring into companies that was much more of a kind of in the center of companies instead of in that external client facing space. And so we started Align to address um, issues of alignment. So internal alignment, talking about story, purpose, values, and impact of a company. So making sure there's a through line um, when you're when you're looking at the authenticity of uh, the internal side of a company, but also in the cultural side or the outward facing side. So when we're looking at things like um, uh, diversity and inclusion, sustainability, social good, placemaking, mental health, um, making sure that uh, that from a cultural perspective, you can stand on the outside of a company and look inside that company and find elements of these um, things that we call uh, um, cultural uh, resonance. So cultural ethical resonance. So is there a value connect of uh, these companies and kind of how they show up in culture. Uh, And so that was really where Align came to be, was coming into companies and making sure that alignment was happening at an internal level, but also uh, in a cultural or outward facing level. You nailed it of kind of connecting those internal dots first before moving to external things. Um, And kind of the way we do that is we look at three buckets. Um, We look at client, talent, and industry. So we typically start internally with with talent strategies of 
of is there authentic engagement developed with your team? Um, and if we're not finding any pain points there, then we'll typically look at what is engagement looking like with clients um, in a lasting way. And then we also look at, are there any challenges with creating cultural buy-in and ethical resonance within the industry? And is the organization or company or individual really um, becoming a leader there? Or are they wanting to, or has their um, position as a leader in that area shifted at all? Um, and, you know, people, this is the last thing I'll say before I turn it back over to our hosts, but people often ask us, what does that mean? What, if I were to call a line, why would I call you? And sometimes people can immediately feel a need for internal alignment. They can see gaps, they can see pain points and issues arising kind of across the board. In that case, then they're totally ripe for it. And our process makes sense from the get-go. Um, and other times people may say, you know what, we need a recruitment strategy. Um, or we need a, a marketing strategy or visual identity or value strategy, things like that. And oftentimes we'll start somewhere and then begin to uncover rocks in other places um, that have some issues alignment as well. So we can start at any point and then bring full alignment from that place. I want to tell you how much I appreciate this opening commentary from both of you, um, because I think somewhere along the evolutionary line, we must have met. There's there's just so much resonance from the first conversation we ever had, but certainly just in the last three, three or four minutes. And so uh, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to ask you both to dig a little deeper for me and I guess with us uh, about the about the pieces here that you've raised. I'm going to start with authenticity. Um, I do a lot of work in leadership development uh, most of my life, uh, and I keep coming back to this virtue and value as being so significant. And so I, I saw it jump out in your, in your information. Uh, it's such an important and value for a line. Talk to us a little bit about how you see the authenticity in a framework of higher education. Cause I think that's what the audience is probably listening today and would ask themselves, why would I go to a line? You know, I think there are a lot of places this can come into play and, um, Don, you know better than any of us, all of the um, places that any kind of leadership in higher education is feeling pressure. They're feeling pressure from a board. They're feeling pressure from perspective, um, you know, stakeholders, students, faculty and staff, things like that. And um, oftentimes those sorts of pressures, particularly financial pressure, can lead to um, inauthenticity or disintegration versus integration. So, um I think one thing that could stand out just as a concrete specific example is that idea of, for instance, diversity and inclusion. Um, we know that that's a metric that a lot of higher education is looking at, particularly more and more. And ver when we talk about alignment in this area, we would say, what does it look like to move from just checking a box to really instilling a consistent uh, value system, not just at the highest level of an organization or university or an institution, but really weaving that throughout every experience that anyone will have engaging with that institution. Um, if that makes yeah, sense, and feel, feel free to add to that. Uh, you totally nailed it. The only thing that I would add to that, just to um, probably just repeat exactly what you just said, would be that, um, especially in the millennial and Gen Z spaces. It's so, I, I feel like we, um, speaking as a millennial, uh, inauthenticity is so easy to uh, 
to see and to get a kind of like, um, yeah, it's just so easy to pick out uh, when we're looking at marketing or communication, um, even like in-person presentation. And so like when we're thinking, you know, I'm just thinking of like when I went, my first experience of college was, you know, kind of these like meet the meet the school, meet the university, here's your tour, kind of here's your walkthrough. And it was even just looking back, like it was really easy to see the, to kind of like see the inauthenticity in those spaces and also the authenticity. It's like, wow, these people are really excited to be here. Um, This is going to be an awesome experience for me. I, I really could see myself fitting in here um as as, and that that creates a sense of openness right as opposed to like you know i walk into this like intro weekend you know eight months 10 months 12 months before i have to decide on which university i'm going to attend and if it just feels really uh you know timeshare sales like or you know you know what i'm saying like like they they feel like that so often and so like that just feels like such a, uh, a negative social, um, social mark, you know? Uh, and so that, that level, even as a student coming into a university inauthenticity is just such a, uh, such a downer. And I think it doesn't have to be like, that's such an easy thing to overcome. Transparency, uh, authenticity doesn't have to mean, um, spending lots of, lots more money, lots more training. It's just, the small ways in which we engage authentically and create a culture of authenticity is, is really where that comes into play. And I don't think it has to cost a whole lot of extra money. Um, it's just a practice that needs to be repeated in multiple different spaces. Bill and Ashley, uh, you mentioned three key areas to explore. The client, I would think, would be the student. The talent would be the uh, administration and the st- staff and the, and the professors and, and faculty, and then the industry being higher education. But that's pretty broad and uh, in, in trying to narrow that down for alignment when we, you know, a few years ago, we we're just talking about brick and mortar as uh, far as going to the campus, like you mentioned, Phil and, and Ashley. And, and now it's, it's, it's where not only online, but there's different ways to, to uh, definitely teach from the classroom, but also uh, coordinating how you're going to recruit and how you're going to maintain. It was it was uh, the challenges in the past of retention uh, was you know was definitely in front of the board in the past. Uh, it it's it, what are the steps? How do we get there now? How do we align in higher education? What advice do you have uh, for uh, for me as in the past when I was serving as a board member, but also as uh, where Don had served as as a president. Uh, and, and chancellor and so forth. How, how do you go about this major alignment that's going to take place uh, that's going to challenge all of us? A great question. Maybe could you uh, narrow the scope just a bit in terms of um, where would be the most helpful place to start from your seat? The client, the student. I think the, the importance is the student, first of all, and uh, most in, in front of us is the challenge. And how do you put together a process to describe the the challenges and then also the results of what you're trying to get. I think with any kind of movement toward alignment on any scale, whether you're looking at students, whether you're looking at faculty and staff, or whether you're looking at leadership board members and then the, the higher education space at large, 
is you have to start with held values first and then move to organizational values. And so, you know, you talk about, and in a previous conversation, Don, you had, and Mark as well, you had mentioned that student success has to be the primary driver in higher education. And so I think it's keeping those things at the forefront and then doing a continual reflection of where is that not happening and where is it happening and where are we doing that really well? And kind of look at the places that you've seen um, authenticity come through. So for instance, you know, when you were talking about those campus visits, Phil, and we, we know now that um, those are potentially coming less and less in the world we're living in is, as more students are moving to remote work and online. And um, I'll share an example as a quick, quick story. Um, I'm, there's a university that is about um, two hours inland from the coast, um, and they marketed themselves as being near the coast. So there were some international students, these are actually friends of mine, um, years ago that came thinking that they were going to be going to college close to the beach. And, you know, from a relative perspective, okay, two and a half hours compared to 20 hours, sure, that's, you know, somewhat there, but they weren't, you know, living life on the beach. And so that's just a very small example of how do we as you were saying, Phil, how do we present ourselves in an authentic way? Um, because that university has a lot going for it that I don't even think it has to say that it's on the coast. I think it can say all the pieces we have going for us. And, and here's a list of day trips you can take. One of those is the beach. And so um, from, a, from a student perspective, I think it's also learning, um, particularly as we talk about remote work, what is really gonna create student success? And I think there are a lot of factors to be explored here from a technology um, standpoint of are we, um, making sure that we are providing every opportunity for every student in that area. And then also different levels of um, interpersonal interaction and support. Because when I'm doing, for example, if I were a student doing an online class versus an in-person class, everyone learns differently. And so how do we provide support for students who aren't actually wired for learning in the remote space? So those are some things that come to mind when I think about driving success for those stakeholders. And Phil, you can add on. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, um, I think the other place that I would go <clears throat> in terms of looking for that authenticity at a student level um, is, I mean, Ashley touched on it. It's like, what, what is your, what is your marketing communicating? Um, but I think even like, can we create safe places uh, within the digital platforms? Can we create spaces where not only can the university be itself and have permission to be authentic, but also the students can then have permission to be authentic and not masters of everything. And uh, I think creating those uh, safe spaces, whether they're forums or um, different discussion platforms, webinars, um, access points for uh, from social media pages, uh, discussion places, you know, discussion platforms uh, that are centering around the university. I think if we can create authentic, uh, 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 if we can show up as a university, if we can show up authentically, it actually creates more safety for students and individuals to also show up authentically, which I think creates um, a safer, more positive environment and experience. When you started out a little while ago, Phil, and you were talking about uh, millennials and Gen Zs and authenticity, I kept thinking about something that I was told 
by a faculty member when I was a young man millennia ago that what I had to develop over my life was a built-in crap detector. And um, basically that's what you were saying. And, and you know, about two weeks ago, I was, I was doing a weekend leadership class with a group of leadership students at a university. And it went on for several hours, obviously. But one thing I really noted, and I work with them every year, um, is that this issue of authenticity is probably more important now than it was 10 years ago. It really does shine through, and I don't. I don't think there's much tolerance for a phony, for an artificial false face, no matter how pretty it is, etc. And so they they are looking for reasons to believe, but they also have to market when they can't believe, and they can't believe if they understand that what you really are about is you and not about them. What you really are about is me and not about the we. And it's so, you know, I've talked about this forever, but these students really understand it. And I think you articulated it just beautifully when you, you made, those, made those comments. So both of you, when I think about an organization, whether it's a university or a company, et cetera, and we talk about authenticity, I've always believed that it has to be modeled from the top. If, if, it, if, if, if it's not there, you know, how, how many coats can you strap on and make yourself look a certain way when really that's not who you are? You can't graft this stuff on you. You can't download authenticity. You can't borrow it from somebody else. You know, you can't write a program for it. And I'm thinking about how we get to the marrow of the leadership to say, if you really want to lead this bunch, then you have to figure out inside yourself how you're going to be authentic and then authentically show that person. And not just when you want to, but you've got to be that person every day. Absolutely. And what Mark was mentioning in terms of our discovery process, that really is the essence of what we are after. You know, when we go into a company, our first foot forward is not, we need to change you to be good. Our first foot forward is we want to listen and determine who you are. Uh, who do you say that you are and who do other people say that you are? And then from there, we're, we're constructing, we're using the, uh, the, the components that are already present, if you will. And from there, yeah, we can, we can learn, we can grow, we can uh, build upon the foundation that we begin with. But authenticity really begins with a, uh, I mean, to use the, 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 term, the safe environment again, it's creating a safe environment for the leadership that they feel safe with us to really just, okay, let's start at the very beginning. Why are you here? Do you want to be here? Do you like your, your job and your position? Okay, you do. That's wonderful. Let's like, let's just start there and really just grow from that place. Um, and then if it's like, no, I hate my job. I hate this. I don't want to be here. It's like, that's a whole other conversation. And I'm so glad that you said that because that's important too, you know, but I think it's starting with, there's, there's a real authenticity inside of people um, that, uh, that needs room to grow and it needs a safe environment and safe conversations to uh, begin architecting something authentic that, uh, that can grow from that internal, like inside, outside to a, uh, to the, to the workings of an organization. So wouldn't it take a particular kind of, of personality to recognize that their university or organization needs this and actually take a step. Because what you're basically saying, if I were the president, I'm saying we're not whole yet. 
we really have issues and I'm comfortable enough to go outside and find somebody who doesn't know us but cares about these issues to help us. So I'm, I'm, I'm admitting a, a default, a fault or a deficiency. And I'm, I know too many people that aren't able to do that. So I think what you're, what you're about is really significant in terms of fundamental grassroots defining change. Well, I think something that plays into that as well is turnover, whether that's within leadership, faculty and staff, um, or board members. Um, because what can happen is someone can come in and maybe immediately spot something that they might take issue with or feel like, hey, I wonder if we should tweak that. I wonder if that's actually who we need to be or who we say we are. Um, but it's kind of an emperor's, you know, uh, no birthday suit moment where everyone's looking around going, well, is any, I'm not, if no one else is saying something, I'm not going to say something because I'm new here and I don't want to be the one to rock this boat or pull this thread because, you know, I'm just finding my footing. And so there's something about creating continuity across um, all stakeholders and within that authentic piece of values and things like that. And so there's uh, retention's important there. Uh, transition in talent is important. Um, and Don, you've mentioned this just about how important it is to really support the growth and development, particularly of board members, because of the high level of decisions that they are making. Um, that, you know, even though they have so much experience on the other side of being a part of a board, that once you're, on, you know, within, there's just a lot of different factors that come into play they may not have been aware of before. Uh, so those pieces are, are key. I think you're going to find in higher education that the disconnect sometimes between not necessarily the faculty, but the, the board and the students or the board and the community is sometimes challenging because most of the board members have full-time jobs or retired, whatever position they're in, but they're not necessarily visiting the campus and they need to, to, to have a challenge that they need to know their campus better, know the students in a better way, community and so forth. So the, that challenges before them. Uh, and then the presidents uh, have their challenges as well. But I think this discovery stage is so important because you're right. Um, it's too many times consultant comes in and nobody opens up. There's not a safety net there. It's, it's like, you know, we're, we're going through the process. We have our retreat. Uh, we go through this process of being together for a day or two, make good notes. We're all going to change. We're going to make these things happen. A year later, nothing's happened. They have another retreat a year later, nothing's happened. It goes on in that same process. I think this is now, it's a survival of higher education is really as much as anything, because there are so many institutions out there that will not survive in the next five years or so if, if they don't get their, uh, if I may say, their act together. <laughs> and, and so a line is necessary, or companies like a line are necessary to step forward and to bring everything into alignment. And it's a, it's a big big, uh, I keep using the word challenge, but that's really what it is. It's a big challenge that uh, when you take students and faculty and boards and community, the stakeholders, it's, it's very broad. And, uh, but I see that this is, a, is an important time in our history of higher education that we need uh, to look at a line. And so what, again, go through more of the discovery stage. If you're, you know, it's one thing to go through a process of you have a meeting with the president and that's part of a discovery. What would be a, an ideal situation and uh, how to go through the discovery process? I guess different steps you would take to get to the ultimate goal of, of really connecting everyone together. I think it can be twofold and um, kind of what I mentioned 
a few minutes ago that on one hand, there may be pain points that are already felt and someone may peg that as an overall sense of misalignment. And in that case, if there's already buy-in, then oftentimes we can come in and do a full discovery with some knowledge already under our belts. Um, and so that's one way that discovery can happen is someone may come in saying exactly what the pain points are they're feeling and say, this is the direction we want to start from. Um, and other times they may not be quite sure exactly what an issue is, but they say, Hey, we need help. And you know, we come in there. And then also there, there may be times where we're brought in for a specific project, for instance, um, you know, Donna, a moment ago, you asked what kind of personality is going to be primed to recognize inauthenticity and to really have a desire um, and the ability to bring authentic integration of values. And one of the things that we've seen is it happens a lot in the creative space. So whether that's your marketing department, um, your branding, often because creatives, in a sense, are they have such a pulse on what's happening culturally and they have a very distinct pulse on authenticity in general. Um, so we've seen that across any industry, not just higher education, but also in higher education is they are the ones that may begin to set off alarms first. And so a lot of the times marketing and branding strategy can be a place that we start. So if someone comes in, um, you know, hey, our branding isn't working or we're not seeing success here, then we'll come in and yes, we will outfit you with all the visual identity you need and the collateral you need and all of those pieces. But in the process of getting to know you, we ask questions that could kind of lead to highlighting if there are, if there does happen to be any other places of misalignment so that you're not just getting a new brand or a logo, but you are getting something that's going to allow the continuity to, to move across all areas of your organization for um, the foreseeable future. I, I keep thinking about, um, um, a book I use talks about exemplary leadership, and one of the precepts is to model the way. And when you, when I'm listening to you, Ashley and Phil talk about alignment and misalignment, you know, when you think about even the structure of the human body, if you're misaligned, you're miserable. You, you know, you can't function well. You don't think well. You don't act well. You don't feel well, and you're not well. Um, I think what you're doing is you're you're giving an organization or a university an adjustment to use chiropractic terms, to bring them into alignment. And that alignment opens up the possibilities for all kinds of growth and development. So um, I wish you extraordinary success and I'm looking forward through Mark, et cetera, to stay in touch with you. I'm, I think you have something to offer that uh, organizations and universities uh, need to hear. So on behalf of Mark and myself, uh, thank you so much for being part of Newscape today and we wish you unrivaled success. Thank you so much. Thank you both. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for the conversation. Make sure to visit our website at newscape.us. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it.